From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, today we're going to bring a little mystery into your Monday with mystery and thriller award-winning author Darden North. We'll talk about his new, highly acclaimed novel, The Five Manners of Death, and his approach to writing mysteries. Right after the break, we'll recap the latest news and headlines and current events, and you can join in the conversation this morning at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB. Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, remembering the great Adam West. Love that music. Yep, great music. There's like two chords there, you know, they just go do 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 Okay, and I gotta tell you my Adam West story. Never met him, of course. Um, but as a kid, I felt like I knew him. Because like everybody else, I'd sit around we had back in the days when you had three t- television channels. I'd sit there and watch Batman. Uh-huh. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. Whenever they'd pull out the Batcopter or the Batboat or, you know, Batgirl would be on or all these great actors. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I thought it was amazing. And I remember one day I'm sitting there watching it. My dad's home early from work. So he walks into the room and he watches it for about three minutes. And he goes, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then he walks out and I'm like what? My dad's a heretic. There's no way that my dad can think this is the worst thing in the world. So let's flash forward a few hundred years. I'm sitting there watching Batman the movie, right? Now, this is the classic one where Batman runs around with a bomb. Mm -hmm. There's just some days you can't get rid of a bomb. And he has to use shark repellent to get the shark off his leg. Uh And I'm watching it going... My childhood was a lie. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's it's so bad. It's awesome. It's incredible. That is a, a perfect statement. It's so bad. It's awesome. It, it really perfect. is. It when really... you go back and look at these things, uh, after I saw Wonder Woman in theaters, same thing. Went back yeah. to watch the old TV shows, and I thought, "Man, this is horrible." But to somebody, it was good. It... Back in back in the day, they didn't have special effects, so they didn't know what the possibilities were, what things were going to become. So it made sense, and it was fine then. Yeah. Well, I know my wife is probably listening right now, but I did have a huge major crush on Linda Carter back in the day. Oh, yeah, but I was like <laughs> nine. Okay, so I mean. It was probably a little more innocent than it would be now if I had a crush on Linda Carter. Which, by the way, <laughs> she is still amazingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just, wow. Okay, but. So are all those folks on soap operas. I do not understand how I think they, they drink the formaldehyde. Same. They drink formaldehyde. Since I was a little girl, I've been watching Young and the Restless and Bold and Beautiful. And I was at my grandmother's house recently and happened to be watching the soap operas. And I'm thinking, how are Victor and Nikki Newman and Nick Newman still looking the same from 10, 15 years ago when I was a child? I don't understand. Uh, better I'm living, <laughs> ever living through chemistry and through medicine. So, huh, yeah, it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, I know. I, well, I don't. I haven't changed much in twenty years. Okay. Yeah, 
All right. You believe that one anyway. Yeah. Got a great guest today. I'm very excited. We'll have him in the studio in a few minutes. And you've probably read one of his books. And if you haven't, you've missed out on something really cool. He's a great writer, but he's also, he, he moonlights. He also does a little bit of doctoring on the side. Yeah, just a little. A little bit. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Look forward to, to catching up with him. I haven't seen him in a while. It's, it's, of course, Darden North. And he's got a new book coming out, The Five Manners of Death. That's kind of got my curiosity up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, title alone. Yeah, <laughs> okay, compelling. five. I'm kind of familiar with maybe a couple of them, so that'll be good. And he'll talk about the new book and a lot of things going on. And I tell you what, we live in a world right now where there's nothing but negative news out there. Yeah. And everybody complains about, oh, it's negative news. I can't stand it. I got some good news for you. How about that? What you got? Well, I'm going to brag on some folks that are in this very building with us mm-hmm. because Mississippi Public Broadcasting walked away with five, count them, one, two, three, four, five, Southeastern Emmy Awards. Now, that was, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and they were in Atlanta. In Atlanta, they got to go play dress up and get the big gold statues. And, and, and I tell you, and I think anybody listening right now is probably thinking, Marshall, I'm not real shocked by that because if you watch MPB, you know the quality is there. We we really do great work in this building. And I'm just sitting here, I'll be honest with you, I feel like a guest, you know, <laughs> surrounded by giants. Uh, but one of them was for documentary history, and that was for the free, Mississippi Free State of Jones. I don't know if you remember that documentary. It was fantastic. I got to do the, the part where I was asking for money in that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the fun part. The part that my sons mocked, um, but they loved <laughs> the rest of it. But uh, Art McAlpin and Adam Chance and Edie Green and John Gibson all got that one, and I'm very proud of them uh, because it was amazing. It was just such a really well-done documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, for Audio Live, now, one of the names on here is been on our show before. He is a rock star when it comes to sound. And this is for Mississippi College Festival of Lights. It's Tywo Gaynor. Yeah. Tywo is uh, awesome. He is. Yeah, good guy. John. It's even more interesting to see him create music and just the, the whole mentality of what comes behind putting music under these cartoons even. I mean, you have to put your mind in a certain space to even think, oh, well, this music would go well yeah. in a cartoon. It's really, really impressive to see the method behind the madness. Well, you know, I'll tell you how good he is. That was just the first of four that his name was on. Yeah. Yeah, four. That's a pretty good day. John Buspis also got one and I want to congratulate him. Uh, Ed said... As you know, is a fantastic children's program. I, you've probably got a chance to watch it. Yeah, super popular. It's super popular. Th- that one and three. the mascot is popular too. <laughs> yeah, one three one for children, youth, all ages, writer, short form, and, and um, graph specialty, music composition arrangement. Of course, Scott Cowell and Taiwo and Carrie Horn, our own Carrie Horn. Yeah. You, and, you and I shared the stage with with doing a Thread Through Time, Mississippi Thread Through Time. Yeah, Carrie is just an amazing talent and extremely versatile. I mean, I've heard her do voices on the spot that people would have to practice for years to do. So I'm a little worried about her, to be honest <laughs> with you, because sometimes she'll start speaking in different voices. I'm like, Carrie, are you okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, she's so fun to be around. And Scott Caldwell is a, is a genius as well. And yeah. So, yeah, very deserving, too. I mean, folks work really, really hard, and it's great to see your work being rewarded on such a, um, a large stage. Stage. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I'm very, very proud. Like I said, one of the joys that I have every week is I get to come in this building and hopefully some of that talent rubs off. Which, by the way, speaking of talent rubbing off, I'm going to go I'm almost in the same room as you. Oh, really? Miss, I'm on a huge national-wide radio show in Atlanta. Yeah, I've gotten to sit in for the brat, who is a very famous rapper. She is mm-hmm. a the regular on the Ricky Smiling Morning Show, which is a syndicated radio show. And I've gotten to sit in for her a few times. And so that's where I was this past Thursday and Friday in Atlanta uh, at the on the 19th floor of the Centennial 
Millennial Tower, and it is really cool. Ed Lover, who was another famous radio host, is in the room next to it. And, and the crazy thing is, so many stars come through, and I just have to act normal because I'm not a star. I'm a regular person. So Friday, a gospel artist named Marvin Sapp came in, and he was talking about his CD. And I was really, like, geeking out. Like, you were oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Marvin Sapp. But I, Hi, I'm Rita. Nice to meet you. So that was interesting. But the, the whole experience has been great. Just being in Atlanta, the traffic is horrible. In I'm Atlanta. just impressed that you survived that. Because see, that's where I grew up, so I'm kind of used to driving over there. It's like, like being a blue angel, but you survived it. I'm impressed. But it's horrible at all times of the day. Well, yeah, late at night. Yeah, there's a traffic jam in the middle of the day in the morning. I'm thinking, do they not get a break as far as traffic is concerned? This is so interesting. Oh, that's the thing. But if you're a traffic reporter on a radio station, you, yeah. you got full time work. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like two hours, and you know the day. I mean, you have to speed. I I was trying to drive the <laughs> speed limit, and uh, yeah, I, you would have thought I was going thirty miles an hour. And they build <laughs> the drunk driving laws into the road, because like you'll be flying, you know, seventy five miles an hour down the road, and all suddenly there's like barrels. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've shut all nine lanes down on two eighty five, and you're like, oh. and two eighty five. When people see that, they think that's the speed limit. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like 220 here in Jackson. It's yeah, the same thing. It like, it's like. like a suggestion. So, well, I'm glad you survived, and congratulations. Like I said, Thank you. Um, I will be getting your autograph here soon just because I'll be able to sell them on eBay in a couple of years for a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I did a, a prayer on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show Friday for the Cavaliers. Uh-huh. Now, I was and forced to do this. Ricky is a Cavs fan. I am a Warriors fan, but Ricky said, I want you to pray for the Cavs, and I want you to be sincere and pray that they win game four, and they won. I wish you'd have prayed for me to win the lottery. <laughs> me too. I mean, that would have been nice because you apparently got some connections there. Uh, obviously, I do. Because prayer, absolutely- My prayers work. They killed the Warriors. That was, yeah. I mean, my son I, My son woke me up and said, Dad, you're not going to believe the score. I mean, the Warriors had a really bad game. I they was did. looking at the, the stats. The, the, the Cavs shot about 70. They got 70-something points from three-point line compared to the Warriors' 30-something points, which is completely which, unusual. Which is complete flip because that's usually yeah. the Warriors' cup of Steph tea. Steph Curry had 14 points. Klay Thompson had 13. Durant still did very well. But the Warriors just had a bad game. Yeah. That on top back. of the refs. Who, who they, they were just awful in game four, calling all these ridiculous things. Um, but most people said that they thought it was intentional because the Warriors would have lost $22 million if they had won in California, in, in, uh, in uh, Cleveland as opposed to winning in, uh, in, in California. Oh, don't, don't burst my bubble. Don't tell me the NBA is like pro wrestling. That, that would hurt yeah. my feelings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And speaking of uh, ball games last night, my thoughts go out to all Mississippi State fans. It was a tough loss last night. Of course, mm. they played really well. and. Wish LSU all the luck in the world as they go on to the the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. So that, Game 5 is tonight, though. Are you watching the NBA Finals Game 5 tonight? Well, of course. Okay. As long as I can stay awake, and then I'll get up at 4 and look at the score and see. okay. So, yeah, i got to go speak in Destin. So. Oh, when? Um, I think I'm going to head down today. So okay. Be fun. You so. sure you're speaking, or are you just going to the beach? I've had three melanomas. I'm going to go speak. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, I'm, so you can't go to the beach? Or no, you just I have do. to cover up? Okay. A lot of sunscreen. I'm kind of like a fork mm. in the microwave. And you know what? Sun safety. Just try to stay out. Direct rays between 10 and 4. Yeah. And cover up. So uh, I have a really goofy hat. I'm that guy that's walking down the beach mm-hmm. that looks like he's, like, lost. Oh. So that's me with long sleeves when it's 99 degrees. But that's okay. Yeah. It keeps and me safe. I'm taking swimming lessons, by the way, so I'm going to be much more comfortable on the beach really soon here. Awesome. What, yes. what brought that on? 
uh, I can't swim. Well, and someone overheard that I can't swim. And she said, well, I'm going to hook you up with swimming lessons. So I have this wonderful lady named Denise who's giving me swimming lessons. And I am soaking it all in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an athletic person. Yeah, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that was unintentional. Yeah, that was good. Um, I'm an athletic person. I've you know, played ball and track and all that. Yeah. But swimming is a challenge when it comes to floating. I'm struggling to float. You're zero buoyancy, you huh? Know. Yeah, yeah. But making sure my, my chest is up and everything. Bloop. But I'm loving it. I'm See, loving it. You need to have the body fat percentage I have. Oh. I'm like a cork. I'm great. <laughs> I can just float all day long. Um, hey, I got to tell you real quick, a very special event happened over the weekend over at the Southern Heritage Air Foundation, which is a hangar over in Tallulah, mm-hmm. this is, uh, Louisiana, which is right across the river from Vicksburg. They brought in a restored aircraft. John Mosley, who owns Clint Body Shop, bought and restored a TBM Avenger. And you're probably thinking, wow, I love that movie. No, no, no. An Avenger is the largest aircraft that flew off a carrier in World War II. And it was what George H.W. Bush flew in the war and got shot down in. And Paul Newman, the actor, was a gunner on it as well. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the event was to honor Lieutenant Guy Brown. The plane is painted like his plane. And he was from Vicksburg, Mississippi. He was an only child. And he'd signed up, like most red-blooded Americans, like the day after Pearl Harbor and went to the Navy and became a pilot. And he survived all the way up until the last week of the war. And they were they were attacking over Japan, and his plane was struck by anti-aircraft fire, split the plane in half. He and his two crew members died that day, a mm-hmm. week before the end of the war. You talk about really bad luck. His parents, were that was, of course, his only child, they died five years later. So pretty much he'd been forgotten by the whole world, right? Well, in the basement of a house in Vicksburg, his mother had written a diary on the wall of everything that he had done through the war. And it had survived 70 years and still remained in this house in Vicksburg. And Dan Fordyce, who's been on the show, does an awful lot with veterans and it's in oral histories of, of veterans, bought it, not the house, the wall, mm-hmm. and cut it out and framed it. Well... They did this big event. They talked about his life, and they brought in his wingman, right? This guy's 95 years old. Whoa. 95 years old. He had not flown in this airplane in 70 years, and he flew in it like a champ. I mean, they got, it took him a while to get him into it because it's a big airplane. It's hard to get into. So they're flying. They're buzzing up and down the runway. They're flipping. They're doing all these really cool acrobatic moments. This guy, you know he's got a grin from ear to ear. He gets out. And he walks from that plane to come talk to us like Tom Cruise in, in Top Gun. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't tell this guy. This is like it shaved 70 years off his life. And he sat down and he told us about his war adventures. And his radio man, which was one of the three-member crew's daughter, was sitting right in front of him. And his friend had died a couple years ago. And that was the first time he'd seen her since that moment. And he started tearing up. Well, when a 95-year-old World War II veteran starts tearing up, here's a guy that had been through the war. What are you going to do? Right. Oh, man, it was like something really gotten dusty in that room because uh-huh. I was just, like, about to cry. But it was an incredible event. I got to talk to a couple other World War II veterans, um, which there aren't many left in the world. As you know, they're dying out. And, I mean, seriously, Shereed, I'm just sitting there thinking about what it must have been like. I mean, these guys right. have just gotten through the Great Depression mm-hmm. and suddenly they're called to do something. We're sitting there whining about, you know, oh God, it's muggy today. It's like, I got to go do my taxes or whatever. Right. And these guys went and saved the world. 
And so it, was, it really was. It was just a very, very uh, emotional and wonderful day. Yeah, so. I enjoyed your pictures as well on Thank uh, you. Facebook. You mentioned Tom Cruise, the, the mummy. Is, <sighs> the mummy is got not doing so well in the box office. Got killed by Wonder Woman. Again. The mummy got slayed by... I like that. That's kind of a nice, <laughs> nice thing there. I want to see Wonder Woman again. Yeah, you yeah. know... My Did son- you see the mummy? I did not see the mummy. I probably okay. will not see the mummy. I've not heard good things about it. I just it. looked at the trailer and went, nah. I mean, I like Tom Cruise. I think he's a little bit goofy, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, his personal life probably not my cup of tea, but he's a good actor. Yeah. And I always like him in everything he's in, but it just didn't. I know the, the lady was too scary. The mummy's too scary. Yeah, well, it can be. <laughs> well, I can think that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I saw the Black Panther trailer. And yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That, whoa. Well, I mean, he was really good in Civil War, so I think mm-hmm. he's gonna. I think he's gonna. That's gonna be a great movie. So yeah, Mummy made thirty-two million, which and it's made a ton internationally, so it's gonna be fine. Tom Cruise isn't gonna have to eat franks and beans anytime soon. I think right. it'll be okay. Uh, Captain Underpants came in third. Pirates of the Caribbean, which I'll probably never see. Oh yeah, I'll stop watching. It's kind of like the tra- it's kind of like the Transformer movies. Yeah, and they put the the Transform Transformer trailer was in the Wonder Woman uh, opening credits uh, opening thing is in. It, you know, yeah. you've seen one, you've seen them all. You're maybe. just like, oh, well, okay. You know, I had the toy. It was great. You yeah. know, I was 30. It was weird, but that's okay. It was a good thing. So uh, it's good. Well, i tell you what. Is our guest here? Yes, he is. Oh, um, I'm excited about that. We'll have Darden North in, in the studio. Absolutely. And on the political front, I don't know what you're doing, but yeah. uh, are you going to be doing any drawing about the, the Comey investigation? Jeff Sessions is set to well, testify I, today. I have. I have. I've done one already. So, what was and, your, your perspective on well, it? Well, I had one because, you know, the president did not tweet during the whole time he was testifying. Oh. So I kind of figured there must have been something up. So I had him all tied up. <laughs> so and he couldn't get near his phone, which it had to be killing him, you know, because he loves to tweet. He's a tweeting kind of guy. That was a pretty intense... Uh, Can you imagine sitting there for 17 hours and having... you know that, that wasn't 17 hours, but it was still a long time and having them ask questions. And, you know, I mean, he... To a fault, Comey was very honest about, you know, oh, yeah, right. I, I leaked that stuff. And everybody's like going, why did you what? just say that? Right. You know, I mean, it was. It was interesting. It, uh, definitely a, uh, here's an interesting a little, moment. In here's history. a little fact for you. You know Dominic Wilkins, right? Mm-hmm. Played amazing basketball player, played for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Comey is the same height and age as Dominique Wilkins. Is he? Yeah. Jeez. He's huge. He sounds he goes, like it. Huge, as, as a certain, <laughs> certain president would say. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to go. Sessions apparently came out in the third, in, in the behind closed door meetings, which naturally didn't, wasn't very closed door because we know this now. But there had been another uh, meeting with the Russians that had not been yeah. reported. So we'll see where the, all that goes. I mean, it's it's good theater. And uh, um, did you see the, the Kathy Griffin um, controversy where she was holding a beheaded statue of Donald Trump. Many people have asked my opinion I mean, we're about both, that. We're both satirists. I mean, you know, yeah. that's what we do. Too far. Um, I think it was too far. It just wouldn't... I mean, what? at what point did she look at that going, hey, that's a great idea? Well, the thing is, she had people agreeing with her. Well, no, of course. Nobody checked her and said, Kathy, maybe this is not a good idea. You know, that's the danger of living in a bubble. You know, yeah. when you have people that tell you exactly what you think. And I see politicians fall to that all the time. But in her case, and also, too, she probably thought, well, my fans will like this because they don't like Donald Trump. Problem is, her fans who didn't like Donald Trump one of them went, "Oh God, what are you thinking?" It was very unsettling to see. It made me sick to the stomach looking at it. What? I mean, it, no matter how much you disagree with a person or right. if you have hate toward them, you don't wish violence, and especially not that well, kind of and, violence. And President Obama world. had had the same thing happen to him, right. and a lot of people did not like that either. And right. it was just like, wait a minute, and we're sitting there, you know, assaulted with images from ISIS. 
uh, doing the same kind of junk. You don't need to see a comedian who wants to apparently implode their career. Yeah. So she got fired from the CNN thing. On, she did. Which the New I, Year's Eve thing. I have never really. I mean, she's okay. I mean, I'm not. I don't have all of her DVDs or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really much cared for her on New Year's. And of course, I'm one of those kind of people. I'm not really sitting around watching TV much. Yeah, me neither. Because I'm usually <laughs> asleep. So I'll be honest with you. But, but it's so interesting when celebrities do these things and then they offer instant apologies that really don't seem sincere. Bill well, she, Maher was another yeah. last week who uh, used the N-word on his show, right. which was awful and offensive. But and I, I he felt should like that was, that was dealt with in a very good way, though. <laughs> well, why you say that? Well, when who was it that came on the show and just absolutely Ice Cube? Ice Cube, yeah, Ice yeah. Cube just dressed him down, and that was pretty. But he good. still has a show. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> but the, he instantly uh, gave an apology, and it just didn't seem sincere. I mean, yeah. But if that, you're gonna say something, just stick stick to your guns. I mean, and, and you know, I would never use the word. It's like licking, uh, you know, the third rail on a subway. It's just not smart to do, and yeah. it's offensive, and it's like cruel to your friends, and just not a good thing to do. He's always, uh, Mars always like, you know, you're starting to think, well, this guy's pretty entertaining. And then he'll just say something like that. And you're just like going, are you doing this on purpose or is there like something wrong with you? Right, right. So, uh, yeah, he still has a show. We'll just see where it goes with that. Um, Yeah, but we we need to be more sensitive in general. Uh, You know, something happened in Jackson and somebody was beheaded. Oh, my God. That that was, I was watching. And then, Marshall, the bad part is there's been a picture circulating on the Internet of this head. I've not seen it. Somebody took a picture of the head? Apparently so. Oh, no. I've not seen it, but it's being shared on Facebook. And I'm thinking, are we so desensitized to violence that yes. you've been and so thirsty for attention that you would post a picture of somebody's cut off head and share it on Facebook? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just think his mama may see that. Exactly. You know, Family members, a friend of mine said that that was his cousin. So oh, really? stop, stop sharing the picture. Oh, what? Do, I tell do, you, man, I we know, live in a different I miss day. that. Do you know what happened? I haven't heard exactly. Well, I read I the mean, story and it just said that some kids discovered no, this the kids. I feel sorry for the kids. Right. On a porch. I mean, kids don't um, need to discover that. In Jackson. And the body was not Ugh. attached at the time. So they found the body about a mile and away. And it been burned. Yes. But they've not confirmed the identity. The news hasn't yet, to my knowledge. So, but, you know, you have the uh, social media. They just instantly started trying the oh, case. Everybody and, thinks they're Matlock. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it really is. Matlock, that's an old Be show. Be more sensitive people, Sorry about please. that. Did I throw a really old reference at you there? Yeah, you did. At least well, I, I, know, say, at least I didn't say Ironside. I could have done that. I've heard of Matlock and Heat of the Night. What else? Uh, uh, yeah, Andy true. Griffin. I Andy Griffin. That. Yeah, okay. <laughs> very good. All right. Darden North will be joining us. We're talking about his new book. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to reading this one because I'm a fan of Darden anyway, but The Five Minutes of Death. And um, apparently there is a uh, suspicious ant in this story. Can't wait to hear Darden tell us a little (laughs) bit more about that. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on a muggy Monday out there. A little bit of rain coming in. I think that'll be nice. At least it'll knock it down to, what, 80. <sighs> Summer has, I know, you can, you know, complaining about the heat in Mississippi is like, 
oh man, the ocean is so wet. Of course it's going to be hot here. That's what we do. It's hot this morning. I mean, it, it feels unusually hot this morning. Oh, I ran I ran <laughs> yesterday and it was like somebody had thrown a wet wool blanket on top of me. I was just like, oh. Yeah, then you see people running with long sleeves on, doing all these different things to, to lose weight. I imagine it's effective, but no, I can't do long sleeves running outside. Well, since I mentioned before that I tend to burst into flames when I'm out in the sunshine, you never see me running in the daytime. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm usually a night runner. It's usually a bit cooler, too. Hey, speaking of hot, we've got a hot new novel coming out. Segway. Yeah, there you go. Darden North is in the studio. And, of course, um, Darden, I was trying to count how many books you've done now. Is this your fourth? This is number five. Five, Number five. Well, that's appropriate. The Five Manners of Death. Right, you, did you do that on purpose? That was sort of an accident, but okay. I think it... It's kind of cool. It is very cool, actually. So congratulations. Um, I am holding in my hot hands right now one of the very first copies. I can't wait to read it, which means, of course, I have not read it yet. But I do know enough about it to know that it sounds like a great story. And I, I guess, number one, um, you are in your scrubs today because you do have a, I guess you have a day job. I do. Yeah. And nighttime many times. <laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, OBGYN. So right. you get a phone call at all kinds of hours. It can happen. Yeah. Sure. But what a great job. And I mean, you're amazing at that. But now you're a writer. And I can tell there's a lot of passion on the writing. What, what, when did you wake up one day and said, you know what, I want to write? It, would, it took about 10 years to get the first book out. And that yeah. came out in 2005. And I looked around at the lawyers that were writing. And I thought, I think a doctor could do that too. I think so too. So, yeah. So very good. I, I have to tell everybody that when Darden was sitting out in the waiting room right there, I almost made you wait for another hour, made you read old magazines. <laughs> I almost did that to you, but I said, now we'd run out of airtime on this. So tell everybody, what is the five manners of death? I'll give you the elevator. How about the elevator pitch? That's that great. Works. Well, we got plenty of time. Yeah. In the five manners of death, there are five ways to die. Surgeon Dinah Bratton believes that homicide is the only one left. Then the police prove her wrong. Dinah learns that murder is her family's secret. And for Diana, loyalty always trumps the truth. Ah. Does so, that make you want to read it? I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Particularly since you have a copy already. I do. Well, yeah, that, that is important. And I am going to the beach, so I'll have a little time to read. So that'll be good. Um, you said homicide is one of the five manners. Right. I, I was uh, heard a, actually heard a talk about the five manners of death which are suicide, accident, natural causes, undetermined, and homicide. And I thought, uh, that really sounds interesting to me. I hadn't really thought about that. And medical examiners use those termino that terminology more. Yeah. And I thought, I'll work that into a novel and sort of got a little educated, and it went from there. Number one, what kind of conference was it that you were learning about the five manners of death? I'm a little bit curious. Um, it was a actually a writing conference. Okay. And, uh, it wasn't uh, a medical conference. No, I was a little bit worried there. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was a medical conference. Well, it was a writing conference, and it was actually a physician who was giving the talk, who's yeah. also a writer. And he's he published it in, a, in one of the writing journals, too, and kind of just sparked my, my uh, fiction mind. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I mean, seriously, I mean, I do a little bit of writing and a little bit of drawing. You do a lot of writing. Isn't that cool where ideas come from? It is. And, Marshall, you do a lot of great writing and, okay. and, and drawing. You know that. Oh, well, thank you. It's fantastic. It, it does, and I, I keep a running list on my iPhone, actually, of ideas that come to me. And I have about five or six ideas I'm mulling about for the next novel. I'm kind of ready to get writing on that one, too. Yeah. Let me talk a little bit about the process. We'll talk about the book, too. We, we have plenty of time. 
the writing process, I think everybody does it differently. Um, are you like a late in the evening kind of writer? Do you get up early in the morning writing? Do you have to have like your lucky socks on or do you have a specific spot that you write in? Talk about the process because there's a lot of people listening right now that are that want to be writers, but they never quite get past the wanting to be writers. The main thing is to go ahead and start. And in the old days, I would print off every page I wrote. I didn't trust the computer. I thought there would be a crash. I, I, you know, I actually cut and pasted like you do a welter used to do. But um, you just have to start. And for me, since I get up at 530 in the morning to go to, to get ready to go to work, I right. can't really – I guess I could get up at 430. I do think that you write be- – or I write better in the morning before the day gets started. Yeah. So if I do have that luxury, sometimes I will. There's a lot of catching up on the weekends. I have written late at night. Um, I, I do balance everything out pretty well, I hope. I think I do. Sometimes there's a lot of uh, energy. As you know, your, mm-hmm. your creativity is just really, really going, and those are usually the times you get interrupted and have to stop. So you make yourself a note for you know what for next right. time, what you're going to do next time. I think you touched on something. And by the way, 4.30 in the morning, no, you're not going to write anything good. Trust okay. me. Like, <laughs> I am up at that time, and there's nothing that good comes out of my head at that point. But for me, the best thing about writing in the morning is that it's quiet and nobody will bother you. And like you said, once you get on a roll, you can keep going because it's nothing worse when you get interrupted because you're like, okay, where was I? And that's true. My house is usually pretty quiet except for the dogs that early. You mean um, your wife does, doesn't she, come in screaming every morning? She sleeps yeah. just a little bit later than I do. Okay. She's up She's up going pretty early too. But for me, my mind is usually clear. Yeah. Clear. I know I have a lot going on that day, a lot of other things to do, but... You know, the weight of whatever happens for the day hasn't on you yet. Right. And so I think your mind is a little bit clearer and it's a little bit better time to write. Oh, let me ask you, because I've never written a novel. Lord, if I write anything more than a thousand words, my brain starts unraveling. When you write a novel, do you have it pretty much, you know where it's going to begin, you know where it's going to end? Do you have it plotted out or is it just a journey? You start down with, you know, almost like you've been given a scenario in your head and you just start writing. It's more of a journey for me. The last, The last two novels I have started off with a synopsis. Yeah. And it, and, or an outline. An outline doesn't, it took me a while to realize it's, the outline doesn't have to be the outline your English teacher made you do <laughs> right. for, for a term paper. It's basically just some ideas and a flow that gives you a place to start. I, I never know how a novel is going to end. I may have a certain perpetrator in mind. The the true antagonist is going to be the bad guy in the end. I may change that. To me, that would be very, very boring and not a lot of fun to already have it completely mapped out. Yeah. It would be really easy if you were just you know filling in the blanks, but it doesn't work that way for me. It's good because sometimes you surprise yourself. You'll just be writing and suddenly you'll go off in another direction. Dude, your, your characters will surprise, your, will surprise me. I mean, the characters sort of take a life on their own and... You may be thinking about a certain, uh, we say our characters are not based on real people, but you know they're conglomerates of different people you've known or people you'd like to know. And sometimes they will just go on a different tangent and, and really surprise me. Man, that's that's always dangerous sometimes when you're writing characters based on people you know. Because they start like, because they're like, well, that's a little bit like me there, but do you really think I'm like that? Well, I really uh, secretly believe that most people would like to be a character in a novel. They would like to think they're written about, even if it's a bad person. But, you know, we have that disclaimer. It's not about one particular person. Exactly. Yeah. You got it right here in the beginning, the legalese. <laughs> no, right. No, uh, no animals were harmed in the writing of the story either. Um, we're talking, of course, with Dr. Darden North. His new novel is The Five Manners of Death coming out just like... 
the nation nationwide international uh, premiere is this Thursday at Lemuria at 4.30. Wow. Right Jackson. Here, right here in Jackson. Right. That's going to be fun. Book signings are always fun. I remember you've always been kind of my hero on writing because um, instead of waiting around for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and say, oh, we're going to do this, you you took the bull by the horns and you did it yourself. Your first novel, man, you were sitting in the middle. I remember Mistletoe Marketplace and you had a booth and you were signing books till your hand fell off. Um, that That's what it takes, doesn't it? It does, and you have to uh, really not be afraid to put yourself out there. I had no idea the first novel would be read by anybody, and it was successful enough to make me write a second one, and I've just kept going after that. I did surprise a lot of people with, with House Call with the first novel. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of help, you know, people very supportive and a good fan base already built into that. That's kind of nice, too, and people actually say, oh, I can't wait to your next book. Right. Or instead of, oh, here, take this book back. Can we white out your <laughs> signature? <laughs> that hasn't helped. That hasn't uh, happened yet. That's so. good. That's always a good sign on that. Um, Ippy award-winning author. The Independent Publishers Book Awards is something that's uh, is that was a treasured award for me. Yeah. It's for Southern Fiction. And it's not easy to get those. And, in fact, I met um, uh, Carolyn Haynes several years ago, and she said, did you win an Ippy? And so when she – and she's, you know, certainly a best-selling author, and I thought for her to recognize that as a – Achievement, it really must be something. Right. So, and I have been very proud of that, very proud of it, tried to live up, live up to it. And I think you've done a very good job. All right, so let's talk about Dinah Bratton. We've seen her before, and she's popped back up. She was um, not, she didn't start off as a protagonist in my previous novel, Wiggle Room, but she was, she was there, and I let her, her strengths grow throughout the novel to the point she became really the, the star at the end. Yeah. And I wanted to write uh, a novel where a woman was the protagonist, the main character. Uh, and I thought I could do it. I wanted to see if I could do it. And I think I did. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, is that one of those things that, I mean, you're not a woman. I mean, I think that, that's pretty obvious. But is that one of the things like you ask your wife about things? And I mean, because I know you got the doctor part down. Because you, you have been through medical <laughs> school. You do know how that part of it works. But, I mean, talk about so you could get that voice correctly. I've had people say that I do women well as far as writing. Well, you and, are an OBGYN. <laughs> that's what you do. You're surrounded. And I do work with, uh, you know, women physicians, uh, yeah. other women, you know, women professionals. Um, and I I think I drew a lot on that. And some of the things I hear about their problems with, you know, balancing their career with their family. Right. Particularly since Diana Bratton, um, the heroine, is a single mother. And she's dealing with a... A feisty teenager. A feisty teenager and a tween, as we call him. Yes. And her you know, ex-husband, of course, is worthless, and um, that's why he's an ex-husband. Oh, a lot of women are nodding right now. So she's got a lot of things on her plate, and she's become the most um, dynamic member of her surgery group. Yeah. And she's very busy and excellent surgeon. And then she sort of gets this uh, uh, bee in her bonnet, and that's sort of a pun if you read the book, Um where she's worried about her aunt and what her aunt may have done as far as some criminal activity in, in college. Yeah, Aunt Phoebe seems to have a little bit of a dark side to her. She does, and I think characters will like uh, readers will like her as a character. She's uh, you know flamboyant, and she's you know described as very beautiful, mm -hmm. and she's uh, a little bit on the snobby side. She went, and she no no relation to that last comment, but she went to Ole Miss in the sixties. And apparently they were doing a construction project at Ole Miss, which anybody who's been up to Oxford lately knows that right. they're doing a lot right. of that recently. Right. And they find a skull. Exactly. Oof. 
and the uh, skull basically begins the story. Yeah. And it shows that you can't, you know, bury all your secrets. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah. So things start unwinding for her. So she's dealing with, you know, balancing a career and everything like that, and boom, at that point. So. And you mentioned the 1960s. I had some fun going back and doing a little research. Um, I was not at Ole Miss in the 1960s, uh, um, maybe a generation later, but um, I got to interview some people who were yeah. and just kind of uh, go back and picture some of the you know restaurants and things and what students would be doing back then, and that was sort of fun for me. So let me ask you this question. You could find parking on the square in the 60s. I think you could. Wow. I think you could. You sure, can't, you sure can't do it now. So. I think you were out, you know, doing things outside of Oxford. Well, that's a good point. Outside the city limits. Yeah, that's a good then. point. Yeah. We're going to continue our conversation with Darden North, who's the author of the new book, The Five Manners of Death. Um, looking forward to reading I have a copy of it right here, and it's signed, too. I bet you're jealous, aren't you, Sharita? She is. She is. All right, we're going to continue. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Okay, i tell you what. Since we're talking about mysteries and we've got a fantastic author and book that we're talking about today, Darden North, The Five Manners of Death. What are your favorite mystery, thriller, or suspense books, and who are your favorite authors? Share them with us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. Um, for me, personally, I, you know, I mean, I grew up on Stephen King books. You know, there were some always some good stuff. And I remember reading the, the the original Sherlock Holmes books. Going, oh, God, these things are amazing. They were written a bazillion years ago. Darden, who inspired you? What writers inspired you? Through the last several years, I've met some writers outside of Mississippi. A guy named Robert Dagoni, who yeah. is uh, excellent, really nice guy. He's actually taught at some writing conferences from Seattle. A lawyer decided to give that up and. And uh, right, we we know about other stories like that. Of course, you know uh, Greg Giles inspires me. I just listened to your interview of him on Isn't podcast. He yeah. he's right, he's a real nice guy. Um, uh, Nevada Bar several years ago was very practical in her advice she gave me. Uh, I've started kind of listening to a lot of books on audio because I don't have as much time to sit down and read as I used to, and just that's just opened up a whole a whole new uh, avenue of authors to me. You know, I love to read, but you know, you listen to a good audio book and hear how the words flow. And a lot of times, and I don't know about you, when I write, I sit there and I stop and then read it aloud just to make sure it has that same kind of flow. It, it has taken me, um, this fifth novel, to really realize how important that is. You'll not only catch mistakes you've made, but you'll hear how it sounds, how it's, how it's going to sound to someone else if you read it aloud. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... And, and what makes that fun is that for me, I'll pretend I'm doing an audio book and do character voices. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, male and female, that makes it very interesting. Oh, look, look, I want to hear your female voice. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, come not on. I'm not going to do it. I go, no, oh, come on. I'm not going to do it. It's just us. No. I mean, nobody, oh, come on. <laughs> Th that's that's fun. Um, 
Isn't it great, though, when you sit there and you meet authors, people that you read or you respect, and they, they're actually kind, and, and they're giving you advice, or they're saying, well, I like what you do here. Or, you know, that's, that just shows that sometimes the people are truly talented really are human. Particularly if it's someone who writes, you know, like a Stephen King or something, writes really, you know, scary, deviant stuff, and you yeah. meet them and they're normal people. I know you're thinking. They have on regular clothes and, you know, regular hair, you know, just they look they're normal. He's like, I mean, something happened to him along the way, you know. But Stephen King on writing, that book is one of the best books I've ever read as, a, as somebody who's trying to learn. Because now, did you pay attention to your English teacher in, in school? Yes, I did. We we um, didn't have to write a lot in yeah. in, in high school. Uh, my mother was an English teacher, and so I would you know bounce things off of her. She didn't teach me, but she was a good good resource for sure. Man, my mom was an art teacher. Same thing. Oh wow! You know how okay. many times people have said, "Well, you must learn from your mama." How many people listen to their mother? I mean, come on, seriously. I think you appreciate your parents after you get older. Yes, you know, you definitely. Do. You do. Yeah, especially when you have kids. Exactly. Which, by the way, congratulations. I hear you've got a wedding. You've got to balance your book schedule, your book tour between a wedding. Right. Our son, William, is getting married uh, in July in Cincinnati, moving back to Jackson. And our daughter uh, lives in Florida. We just got back from visiting her. She's not doesn't have a marriage in sight, but I'm sure some hopefully down the road that will happen, too. So we're going to be busy. Your kids are both in the medical. They are. Yeah. And that was by choice. That was by their choice, obviously. Oh, you didn't force them to. I did not force them to do that. (laughs) No, Dad, I I want to to go live my dream and be a writer, right? Maybe I set a good example. I I think you need a a good, steady job before you decide to be a writer. I I think that's everyone will agree with that. So that kind of helps, like, with, say, this guy named Grisham. You know, he had a good job as a lawyer, but. It, it's worked out for him. It does. And if you can get a um, you know major movie made out of one of your books, that'll help you as a writer. Too. Now, is it true that one of your books is actually being developed for a movie? Fresh Frozen, the screenplay has been written. And, of course, that just takes a long time for that to happen. In the last few years, there's been more interest in um, you know television series. Yeah, so many with different the gosh, with Netflix out. and stuff like that. So I think uh, that's something that I, I'm hoping will happen. In fact, I, I've uh, started... Uh, taking some writing advice from some other you know people that I've listened, heard, and read about that if you write your novel as though it is a television series, so each each chapter is almost like a episode, right? And that uh, that would feed very well into a television series. That's really smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really is. Talk about. I mean, you have an agent. Is that how you get that stuff out there? I mean, because the business side of being a writer is is sometimes tough. My publisher now is basically, you know, working as as an agent. I, I was able to uh, find several publishers who were interested in this book. Didn't have to really go through an agent. And things yeah. have changed so much with the writing industry and the publishing industry in the last several years. And agents, I think, are wanting something that's sort of already sold, I think. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. But very pleased with my situation now. And I have... You know, a lot of people rooting for me out there as far as the business aspect sure. of the book. And I think that's important, too. I, you know, of course, the publishing business is like the newspaper business, like the TV business, all these other media businesses where they went through the downturn in 2008. They laid off a lot of people. So now it seems like to me that a lot of um, publishers are looking for people with a, an audience, like you said, or they've got a big social media following or so forth. And they know that it's kind of a sure thing. You, by doing it on your own and developing that audience and everything, you became very attractive to them, didn't you? 
I hope so, and hope that yeah. continues. But you know, the the presence on Facebook and Instagram and all that is very important, and I can see that that has that does get the word out about your writing. It's really, t- I mean, you got to create a community of people that want to see your work. You've got book signings coming up. Of course, with the book coming out, we're, your first one's here in Lemuria. The first one is Lemuria this Thursday at 4.30, June 15th, and I'll have a reading at 5.30, and that's going to be fun. I'll do some character voices then. Oh, okay. we'll, wait we'll a minute. Uh, Trina, um, <laughs> I, I'm raising my hand in protest here. He's saving it. That's what he's doing. That's right. He's ah, not embar- I thought it was embarrassment, but no, actually, no. Okay. You got to come to the reading. And then uh, Saturday, I'll be at Turning Pages, Books and More, Natchez. Yeah. And then uh, I've got to, like I said, work it around the, the wedding, and I have to be on call one weekend. So um, I'll be going to uh, Vicksburg and, and, of course, Tupelo and Oxford, uh, Square Books up there, and then hopefully on the Gulf Coast. In the past, I've, I've been to other states, and hopefully be able to work that in, too. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, because I know they have a great bookstore down in Fairhope, for instance. They do. And, yeah. They do. It's so, great. Darden, yeah. uh, when you have these book signings, are you surprised by your fan base? Uh, because I've been to book signings, and it seems like the, the, the people know more about the books than the authors in, in some instances. So uh, how impressed are you or surprised are you often by the, the types of people that come out? Well, you're always glad when somebody shows up. And if, you, if one book is bought and signed, <laughs> yes. that's a success book signing you know it's just and uh, and you never forget who comes to your book signings i mean and and please don't ever tell an author you're coming to the book signing not show up because it'll hurt it hurts our feelings just don't do it um what's amazed me is for people to ask me about some of my earlier books about specific characters and i've heard john grisham say this once you get past that novel you're working on another one it's almost hard to remember who they're talking about you know, it's yeah. like, uh, and I, you have to almost refresh your memory. But when you do find someone that really is uh, enthralled or attached to your characters, it really thinks, well, maybe I'm doing a good job of making these people so dastardly bad or really sweet that they are believable. Uh, and, and people do really like them. And it's also, too, when they come in talking about these characters, you're taking a mental note. Maybe I need to write a little bit more about this character. Exactly. And then sometimes they'll challenge you about what you did with that character. You yeah. know, why did you do this? Or what did that really mean? And you and you think, well, I didn't really think about that. So maybe I'll go back and explore that. Well, that Marshall, Marshall, I know you have this. People often make cartoon suggestions for you. Uh, Darton, have your fans ever made book suggestions for you? He's shaking his head and rolling his eyes. Storylines, and you actually <laughs> took them, or what are your thoughts no, on that? No, no, I mean, no, no. I, yeah. I get so many. I, yeah. I mean, it's like you'll be at a function, and your mind is not even on writing. Somebody will start telling you about an idea, and... And you think if I just had that much time, if I could write 10 books at one time, I could, you know, it'd be great. See, but the good news is instead of people coming up and saying, I've got this pain right here. Now they're saying, I got an idea for you. So you've gone from being, you know, free doctoring to to, to writing advice on that. Yeah, I've done the book signing where, you know, they've been out the door. That's awesome. You're feeling on top of the world. And then you go to the next one and three people will show up or nobody will show up. And you're just sitting there and you're hearing crickets and you're like going, I'm the worst human being ever. It's tough. It really and, is. And you wonder, is it better for it to rain the day of the book signing or, or not? You know, just yeah, the weather. No. It's just like any any business. But, um, you you know, the, you appreciate the fact the bookstore has had you or the book club has got you there or, you know, and it's, it's just, you know, it's a warm feeling that somebody wants you there. Yeah, Mark Twain said, write about what you know. And I truly, and of course, obviously, you're doing that. You've got, you know, you're not writing about lawyers. You're writing about the medical profession. That's important. Um, you're from the Delta. 
And, and how is, I mean, Delta is one of those kind of places where you go up in the Delta. I don't know about you, but I go up there or I go to the Gulf Coast and like ideas just start flowing into my head. I don't know what it is about it, but do you get inspired by living here in Mississippi? I, I do, and I write about contemporary Mississippi, which is, uh, I think, important to kind of show that yeah. we, you know, what we have here, we have educated people, professional people. We have some that are, you know, not doing well. I try to include all those types of people in my books, but they are set in, in contemporary Mississippi. I haven't written a novel just about the Delta, although I have referred to it. Yeah. Um, I liked your picture about the uh, plane in Inverness the other day. It's good. Oh, thank you. Um, but the... Um, I would like to maybe do that, to do a novel set just in, in uh, the Delta, grew up in Cleveland. But I do like to write about Jackson, and uh, the first novels were sort of fictitious. Well, they were fictional towns. Um, but then I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and call, call these places what they are. So, and I like that. I think that's fun. I want people to know about Jackson and the Metro Jackson area. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, I just had a question about your audio book. Just wondering if you have a preference to, does it matter to you if folks get the audio book or the, the, the hard copy? I'm a hard copy fan. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the uh, new book and the book before it haven't come out on audio. So you've got to get the, uh, the printed version. They are an e-book as well. Um, of course, you know, when you're at the bookstore, you, want the, you want, certainly want the bookstore to get those uh, printed copies. And uh, the Five Manners of Death is out in is coming out in ebook as well as in what we call a soft cover paperback. It's a bit larger paperback size and hardcover. And I'm excited about having all those three available. The um, you know you want your people to read your books, and if they're listening to them, that's great. Like I said, I enjoy audiobooks, so just just find it however it is, and, and please enjoy it. I'm I'm very tempted to read the last page on this, but I'm trying not to. Well, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it's like eating your dessert first. We don't My need to do that. My wife does that. But she does that. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Um, five Minutes of Death coming out. Do you Have you already started thinking about your next book? I've got about five or six different ideas. Yeah. And we were just on vacation, and I saw these two kids out working with a drone and that was one of my ideas and i thought maybe this is a sign maybe that's you know somebody's telling me that's the one i should go with see now so. he's figured it out he's figured out how to turn his vacations into right. tax write-offs so that's what he's like <laughs> I, I thought about that plus i talked to somebody about some medical stuff too while i was down there so i'm a double but my, my, my last question is do you feel the need to take a mental break after you write uh, a mystery or thriller and that kind of goes with anybody who's done a, a really big project well, the mental break is the promotion you have for the novel, I and mean, you've got to you have to go through all the editing process. Uh, even if you have a publisher, you're still doing a lot of stuff on your own, and you know the book signings and the interviews. So you've got some things taking you away from that daily writing. I, I, the first thing I do is clean off my desk. I have um, sort of a hand me up for my son from college, and I use that desk, and I have to clean it off and just get all the stuff that doesn't make any, I don't need any more off that. And that's a real cleansing thing for me to see that surface a lot cleaner uh, and free of um, of trash. Nice. Um, Your computer, you have a dedicated computer for writing. Does it, have you disabled the internet and all that? Because one of the problems I have about writing is sometimes you've got all these distractions on there. You could be playing solitaire before you know it. Well, I, I do fall into that um, trap. Now, I, I use the internet for some research. I mean, yeah. I don't know how... I would never have time to write five novels if I were going back to the library to look at things. So that's that's available there, and you've got your phone. There are some distractions. You have to watch out for that. Well, Darden, thank you very much, and thanks for the copy of the book. The book is The Five Manners of Death. The, the book signing is at 
June 15th at Lemuria Books. It's the first one. You can pre-order a copy at DardenNorth.com. Darden, it's always good to see you. Thank you, Marshall. You too. Sharita, thank you for everything. All right. We're going to... We're going to make way for Southern Remedy coming up next. This is, of course, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and we will see you all next Monday.